comedy channel. We have no motto. The comedy channel. You laugh until you stop. Comedy is our middle name. And channel be our last name, then, right? Yeah. The comedy channel. Three-dimensional programming on a two-dimensional screen. Brought to you by a one-dimensional person. What the hell? Mottos come and go. The comedy channel. This isn't Russian. But we're always there when you need us. Get the picture? The comedy channel. The comedy channel. Funny. Free. You are listening to the Constant Comedy Podcast with Art Bell and Vinny Favalli. Welcome to another edition of the Constant Comedy Podcast. We weren't kidding when we said this was constant. Once a week, I am Vinny Favalli. And I'm Art Bell. And we are still doing this, Art. Amazing. I guess comedy, there's no expiration date on comedy, right? We could do this forever. <laughs> And, ever. and we're going to do it. We're shooting for a thousand episodes. Oh, could you imagine? You know, like The Simpsons, I think, is at 3,000? No. no. No, no, no. No, they're at 700. I'm sorry. Yeah, 700. Yeah. Wow. You think we could beat The Simpsons? That's my goal. We would have to do, I couldn't do one a day. Would that be one a week? How many? <laughs> a thousand weeks? I think we'll be in our hundreds. <laughs> Look, you got to have goals. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay, here. okay. And that's our goal. So if we get up to, you know, less than a thousand, I think right. we're still good. Can we have a big party at the 500 mark while we get there? <laughs> I hope it's not a virtual party, man. I'd like a real party. I know. I want. I miss people. I I miss hugging. Appropriate hugging. With, uh... <laughs> I'm glad you added that. <laughs> that was close. I, close. I don't know about you, but I am very excited about this podcast, yeah, uh, this too. episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. Judy Gold is someone I know. I don't want to say I know personally. We we share a mutual close friend. Amy Schwartz is uh, one of my dearest, closest friends. Funny as hell. And she worked with Judy back in the day. I, I am a fan of her work, but I actually appeared with her on Howard Stern once uh, when I was sitting in, and she she was a guest. That's kind. Of, that's a bond, right? When you yeah, well, you know what? You do bond, something. You do she, Howard together. I don't think she would even remember it. That's the funny thing. You would think that. <laughs> well, it's a know, bond for you anyway. Yeah. It's a bond. It's always a bond for the less famous person. You know, <laughs> she is, she's done a lot more than I have done. But um, her, how great was her book? That were, yeah, I were, loved her book. It, it was out of nowhere too. I, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I, you know, I, I didn't know. What tackled this subject matter. The whole yeah. idea that, you know, comedy is being challenged. Stand-up comedy, especially by by woke culture now, you know, and, and her culture. book is called, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. And she really, and we'll, we're going to do a deep, deep, deep dive into the book. Cause that's all we want to talk about. I hope, she wants to talk about the book too. I think we she does, only, right? We can only hope. Yeah, but uh, Art, what just headlines? What was one of your favorite chapters from her book? Well, I gotta say, my favorite chapter, and this was almost a surprise to me, um, was uh, the chapter on women comedians. And it's partly because I, you know, listen, women comedians have been around for a long time, but they really kind of came into their own during our lifetime. You know, I mean, in the in the late eighties when we were starting comedy, that's when 
that's when things really took off for them. And, and I remember at that point, people, even people working at comedy channel or comedy central were saying, Oh, women can't be funny. You know, women comedians, I don't get it. Women write comedy writers, you know, can't be funny. And uh, of course that's not true, but that was still a big opinion in those days. And so it's just amazing to see how women comedians have added to the conversation. And they could have added a lot more had they been let into the boys club earlier. Because back back in the day, there weren't a lot that we, there was Joan Rivers, Jean Carroll, which is someone that she talks about in the book, who was an influence on Joan Rivers. Right. Um, Phyllis Diller, Tony Fields, that's it. You know, and, but one of the- Moms Mabley. Moms Mabley, yeah. Um, one, and Minnie Pearl, which right. Wayne Fetterman's book uh, digs d- deep into that. One of the funniest jokes I've ever heard uh, ever is by Rita Rudner. It's great. She Remember her? She was a, a staple on Comedy Central. And she tells a joke about her husband saying, oh, honey, we should renew our wedding vows. All excited. And he goes, excited. Back to her, you mean they expire? <laughs> Uh, that is the perfect joke. It's the funniest goddamn joke ever. Is, you uh, we should try to get on that joke. We should. You could. We should try to get Rita on on the podcast. Oh, I'd love that because uh, we definitely have a shared history with her. All right, are you ready for Judy? I am ready. So am I. Can't wait. Here we go. Judy Gold has been a staple on the comedy scene for years, and her stand-up specials have been featured on HBO, Comedy Central, and Logo. All right, what year did Logo come out of the closet? She has written and started two critically acclaimed off-Broadway hit shows, The Judy Show, My Life as a Sitcom, and 25 Questions for a Jewish Mother. She guest starred on CBS's Madam Secretary and on the Showtime series I'm Dying Up Here, which was all about the stand-up scene in the 70s and 80s. She's had recurring roles on Netflix's Friends from College and TBS's Search Party, one of our favorite shows. Judy's the host of the hit podcast, Kill Me Now. Art, did you know that Judy's done 300 episodes of her podcast and counting? This is like our ninth one. I'm ready to hang it up. Maybe we should hang it up before we start. I think we should. Goodbye, Judy. She's appeared on the late show, the Tonight Show. And I don't know if she remembers this, but we were both guests on Howard Stern's radio show at the same time. That was like doing the Mike Douglas show. You know, everyone could end up on the panel. I hated that, though. Oh, we'll that roast. That. All right, we'll talk about that. Judy, well, th- that wasn't a roast. That was just us hanging out. You were sitting in. Judy Uh-oh. hosted HBO's long-running series at the Multiplex with Judy Gold. Judy also won two Emmy Awards for writing and producing The Rosie O'Donnell Show, which was super hot at the time, and has made numerous appearances on The View, The Today Show, The Wendy Williams Show, and The Steve Harvey Show. She often pops up on the Food Network, and per her website, she asks that we not mention Chopped All-Stars and Rachel versus Guy, which, of course, we just did, so now we have to ask ask her about those. <laughs> Judy's newest comedy album, Conduct Unbecoming, and her previous albums, Kill Me Now, and Judith's Roommate Had a Baby are available wherever you get wherever you steal your music. Judy Gold is the author of a terrific and timely new book titled Yes I Can Say That When They Come for the Comedians We're All in Trouble. Please welcome Judy Gold. Thank you for that intro. Now the two things you missed are right. that I'm in that new film Hysterical. Um, what is that? Who's that? I don't know. That. Uh, oh, you're in the comedy business and you haven't. It was on. Uh, uh, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. FX on Hulu. It's called Hysterical and it's about women comedians. It came out, I think, two weeks ago. Okay. Is that and a doc? it's gotten like rave reviews. Hysterical. Okay. It's a documentary. And I am uh, writing and recurring on Better Things on FX. 
Okay, great. Wow, I did. So those are the two things that I need. Now I know I need to update my bio and my website because of you two. <laughs> <laughs> Get to work. Well, how do you find the time? Because like 300 episodes of the po- Are you making money from this podcast? No, you- I make no money. It is such a labor of love. I mean, I don't think it. I mean, well, there are people who make money from their podcast, but I have advertisers and that basically just covers the cost of doing the podcast. The production. Okay, well, that's yeah. not bad. I think Gilbert does very well with his. Yeah, he wasn't making money. And now he is. And like, that's my issue. Like, I want to monetize, but I don't want to. I can't. I have too much other shit going on that I can't like, Okay, you need to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I can't. I have to write an episode or I got you know what I mean I have stuff to do it's just I don't know plus the restrictions that come with it you talk about it in your book there's a great chapter about being hired for a, a pretty shitty corporate gig in this case right yeah I mean a good corporate gig is when they fly you to Utah where you're performing in the boardroom or whatever a retreat right. here you do it at a comedy club which is like right. oh, wait a second they're slumming by coming Vinny, to you nothing good comes from performing in a in a boardroom okay so I don't know what the hell you're talking about but, but, but what I'm saying room. is when, when I, I know that was all right I, I should have said corporate retreat. Get rewrite yes. my joke. Thank you. This will be funnier. Artist than has had it with you already, and it's been two minutes. Okay, I'm going to go get some breakfast or something. Well, Art just wrote a book. <laughs> I don't know if you read Art's book, Constant Comedy: How I Started Comedy. I read about book. it. Yes, yeah. but I didn't read it yet. A lot of people read about it, Art, but no one's read it yet. So, well, no, we'll because I will. Of it. I wanted to monetize the book, but that's not happening either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you making money from the book, Judy? Uh, not yet. Not yet, but I will, I think. Judy, just, I did make money, money to nobody, write the book. Nobody makes money on books. It's just a tough... Well, this is the most <laughs> negative beginning of a podcast. Yeah, I, we should start again. Uh, this is a comedy. Great to comedy, see you. Thanks for being here. These are all trigger words for comedians. Be careful. Uh, Judy, I loved... First of all, your book is truly terrific, and I know that had to be a labor of love, but a labor... Like a labor labor, because you put a lot into it. It was, here's the thing. They assigned me the book. They asked me, will you write a book about free speech from the perspective of a comedian? And I, um, I said, yes. And you know, you know how editors are. Do you, have you worked with editors who were yes. like down your fucking throat? Yes. And like, yeah, he wants a chapter. <laughs> so anyway, um, they wanted it in like six months. I'm like, no, but you know, th- COVID, not thank God for COVID, but I think it sort of helped to push it back. But it was, the thing was that I wanted to put the history of how the hell we got to this place where you can't say a fucking thing without anyone, you know, ha- getting insulted or trying to cancel you or whatever. Okay. And so each chapter is sort of a, a polemic and And the whole book is a polemic, really. But what I did was my friend, Eddie Sarfati, who's a comic, we would sit, I I put together all the chapters of what I wanted to, the points I wanted to make. And then we would sit here and argue each, you know, chapter for hours, you know, just, well, well, if you say that, then blank, then this, then that. And we tried to argue like, like a bunch of Jewish scholars with the the, the Talmud. And, um... And then I, after that sort of arguing and figuring out that did I miss anything because I want to prove th- these points, uh, I wrote the chapter and he then, you know, he looked at it. You me. missed nothing. You covered everything. And I when, when people read the book, they'll understand mm-hmm. because there's so many, it's not black and white. There's so many shades to this. One of the things you did so beautifully that I loved, so smart, uh, were the quotes 
that you used going into oh, the right. chapters. And Art, this the real Will Rogers one we were talking about. This is 1932. Right. 1932. Everything is changing. Now, people are taking their comedians seriously and the politicians as a joke. When right. It be vice versa. I mean, your re the research on your book, on the people that you had doing this, kudos to them because that's a lot of work. I did the research by myself. Thank you. Um, that. That's amazing. That you did did that you get it from research. Wikipedia? I just no, I went to working. the library. I went to the library. I went to I went to the Museum of Broadcasting, which was awesome. They were so helpful there. Um, I watched clips. I, uh, you know, I. I I wanted to be completely absorbed. And you read in books, it. and you read like like the Tommy Smothers LBJ letter. Oh my God, it's I unbelievable! I tell mean, that, tell that. That's that's that so is great. you know, the Smothers Brothers, which at that time, you know, I remember watching the Smothers Brothers as a little girl. I didn't know that it was a polarizing right. That it was counterculture. Yeah, we just right. thought it was funny in those days. And, and I was just laughing. And that that was what was so great about television in those days was that your your kids are laughing at one thing and the adults are laughing at another thing. Right, right. And both equally as entertained. Anyway, so um, so the Smothers Brothers were very uh, politically active uh, in a, you know, liberal lefty way. And on their show, which was on a network. CBS. Uh, yeah, and they they were very anti the Vietnam War, um, anti segregation, and you know all anti censorship, anti anti censorship, and this was all the stuff that got Lenny Bruce arrested. Right. You know, like so he's arrested uh, years earlier because he's cursing in a club, but it was really about the substance of the material. Right. So that they're on this show and they're saying stuff, and it's really pissing off. Uh, the uh, LBJ, even though his daughters really love the show um, and 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 the network executives are like, can you calm down? Can you come down? Right. Um, and LBJ was friends, I guess, with the head of CBS and was like, look, can can they just like, you know, a little less? And um, the head of CBS went to them and said, can you just a little, you know, calm down a little bit? And they were like, OK, if you let us have Pete Seeger on the show. Now, Pete Seeger was banned from television. Right. Um, and uh, they're like, oh, a folk singer? OK. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they had Pete Seeger on. They also had, um, what's his name? Oh, God. Oh, God. I it just like, I can't with the menopause. Um, uh, uh, you know, comedian, Jewish, short. Oh, David Steinberg. David Steinberg. David Steinberg. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, comedian, 10. Jewish, short. That's like a hundred. Like <laughs> Let's narrow it down some more. Hold Give on. Give me another clue, please. Hey, Art, you're a comedian, Jewish, and short. Uh, I'm not too comedian-ish. Um. Anyway, so David Steinberg was had you know son of a rabbi, by the way. Right. He yes. would do these sermons. I love those. Uh, that were. No, a no, no. The network said no more sermons, no more. And that episode after they were told, yeah, you can have Pete Seeger. And then um, Steinberg, he says, go out and do a go out and do the um, the sermon. And anyway, they they get fired, essentially, not even canceled, but just fired. And uh, they get a letter from LBJ, which basically says, uh you know, part of my job 
is, uh, you know, being fodder for comedians and satire. And although it was, I'm just paraphrasing, although it was painful at times, uh, it was my honor uh, and my privilege. uh, And I wish you all the best of luck. Can you even imagine? That's incredible. And I just want to tell people the work that Judy did for you to get this, because this information is out there, but it's not in one place. Wikipedia gets it wrong. And, and, and what Judy, I think you, you got, you may have gotten that from the David Bianculli book, right? Yes. Yes. So, so like the amount, like we had to read, we wanted to read Judy's book to research this. Judy had to read like 50 books and troll through the library. I love how you did verbatim the quote. Um, not to quote the uh, Lenny Bruce on the Steve Allen show. That was wonderful. You got to right. Of, yeah, of, of, there was some stuff that I thought had to be done verbatim. Yeah, no, uh, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you got permission from from some of you, like Gary Goldman, who I love. Yeah, like st- they wanted me to cut, like like oh, this is too. And I'm like, no, that's the bit. Like I love comedy. You don't, uh, you know. I mean, you probably do yeah. not. I love stand up. Like I think it is such a part of our culture. I mean, I think that when we talk about free speech, it's the comedians. I mean, we are really the ones who speak truth to power. When you look at any sort of panel show, like mm-hmm. you look at The View or you look at The Talk or whatever. Okay, then you look at MSNBC or CNN. Whenever they do like these sort of panels about uh, uh, cultural issues or societal issues or any sort of um, things that are going on at this time, they always have a comedian on the panel. It's like a pundit. There's a an expert. There's a doctor, whatever. And then there's a comedian. Why? Because we will diffuse the tension. Right. We will disarm the people and we will speak the truth. And you'll make um, the same point that they're all trying to make and dance around. But you'll make the same point. Right. Right. But this is a particular moment in our culture right now. This is a oh, particular totally. moment. And Vinny and I, we were just talking about this. We get asked every time we do an interview. What's going to happen to stand-up comedy? I mean, what's what's going on here with all of this stuff, with this woke culture? And we say, you know, listen, comedians are worried about it. Your book handles, it tackles it head on. Okay, this cannot stand, is what your book says. And it's, it's a yeah. beautiful argument for it in so many ways. But you answer the question for me. What's going to happen to stand-up comedy? You know, Art, I think about that all the time. It's, you know, I write in the book, that when Dave Attell comes up to me at the cellar and is like, do you think I'm going to get in trouble for this? And I'm like, you, you, I mean, I look, I have, there's a def, there was never a division in this, the comedy community. Um, and there is sort of now a sort of a division and that there are comedians attacking one another, which never, it was, we always had each other's backs, but, um, I know that there are some comedians who are like, you know, if it makes the, if I'm not going to offend someone, I'll change my language or I'll, you know, and that's fine. Okay. That's good for you. I, I, I find that when I, this is exactly how it is, Art. It's like you tell a joke now and the audience will instinctively laugh and then they'll go oh right i'm not supposed to laugh at that and that's that's what's so crazy it's like they're they're right they're absolutely right they're reacting the way they're supposed to react and then they're oh right no right can't do that and i now call it out i just call it out i'm like really you know what's funny and it's like what 
if you, first of all, the, the basic formula, if you take intent, context, and nuance out of a joke, there's no joke. Yeah. So that's what they're doing, especially on social media. Um, and it's the only art form where you have to go in front of an audience to do your work. It's a work in progress. <laughs> and then you get then you get vilified and canceled because like, does a painter paint like a third of a mural? And then they're like, hey guys, we're gonna have uh, 50 people over. Do you think I should put the tree here or should I move the cloud? Like, no. <laughs> And it's, it's like judging the painter on the first coat of paint. Right. I'm not done yet. I'm right. literally thinking out loud. I mean, right. some comedians, who they, they, they're open up. They're working on their set. They got their notebooks, right? They're right. Because you're not making a lot of money, by the way, to do right. that thing. You're there. They're, they're, the audience is enjoying, like, practically free comedy, right? They're drinking, they're eating, which is going into their own bodies. You don't benefit right. from that. The house gets that, right? Right. Thinking and we're getting, gonna, like, during the week, 25, 30, right, 40 right. bucks. And then, you know, it's the money's gone down now because of COVID because there's less people. But, you know, the weekend set of 50, 50 bucks, you know, we're getting $50 to work out our material so that we can like get books somewhere or right. do a special or cut an album, you know? And then you're telling us, first of all, we don't know where the line is until it's been crossed. Like, you know, we we put it out there and then you realize, okay, too far. Okay. Here's where the line. And you know, as George Carlin said, again, paraphrasing a comedian's job is to cross the line and make you feel glad that they did. Right. Um, and so here we are, we're trying out our material. We're, we need your feedback. And then you're going to tell us, Oh no, you said that word. Like, that's the thing. They hear a word. They don't listen to the entire thought. Oh, I heard that word. I'm done. And also this, this idea that everything is about you. It's not about you. I wasn't thinking about you when I wrote that joke, you didn't even enter, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't even know you were coming so tonight. This, so much of this I figured was settled when Lenny Bruce came and went. No, you know? I mean, and you just figured, okay, didn't we do this already? Yes. And you decide, okay, it's okay. Lenny did it. Everybody said, you know what? It was a good thing that Lenny did it. He got up there. He talked about things we weren't supposed Movies to Movies were made about. about how good a right. job he did. I right. loved Lenny Bruce as a kid. I thought the guy was a comedy god. I read everything I could about yeah. I thought it was all settled. And now we're in the same boat. And I think we're, it's worse. It's worse. Much worse. It's so yeah. much worse. You're right. You're right. It's worse because, you know, we're not talking about net, net, like, all right, there were network standards, but like, think about it. We had the Lenny Bruce's, we had the George Carlin's, we had the Richard Pryor's, um, Joan. I mean, if you look at Joan Rivers' career in the 50 years of her career, each decade, you knew exactly where women stood. In society, by you can watch her Ed, her Ed Sullivan appearances. It's incredible. Right. It's, like, it's like a timestamp, right? Exactly. And you know, then you go into the seventies, uh, and you Norman Lear. Okay, those shows would never get on network television, and that was that's what really it really upset me because remember they did was it I think it was two years ago or a year and a half ago. They did a live on ABC, with yeah, with Jefferson's yes, and yes. a live yep, on yep, the family, yep, right? And they bleeped out or changed words in those episodes. Yeah, I think the N word had to be bleeped, right? Okay, and then I was really curious because I remember as a girl watching the Maud episode 
where abortion? she decides to have an abortion or they don't even say abortion. Right. They terminate the pregnancy. And I watched that episode and I, and I also spoke to Bill Macy, rest in peace. And I like, I, I that episode is so well done. And the way they deal with the, um, you know, they're in their late forties, they get pregnant by accident. She thinks he wants the baby. He thinks she wants the baby. They keep going. And, you know, she's a grandmother. They're grandparents already. And um, finally, they realize episode two, neither of them really wants this. They just thought the other one did. And they make this decision. And at the end, I mean, there's no going to a clinic. There's none, you know, at the end, she says they hug. She says, are we doing the right thing? And he says, we're doing the right thing for us, our private lives, you know, paraphrasing again, at this time in our lives. And it is, you know, basically, this is what the right thing to do is for us. And we're making the right decision. That was it. That was the end of the episode. Beautiful. And Bill Macy said, no one said anything when it first aired. It was when it aired, repeated that they started Mm -hmm. coming after them. But- the fact that that was on network TV, the fact that the Jeffersons, the it, the stuff they talked about on the Jeffersons and on All in the Family, you know, one day at a time. Um, uh, what you call it? Um, what's the one dynamite? Oh yeah, good good times. Good times. Um, you know, all these shows. There was no Facebook. There was no social media. And and you know, I did. I you mentioned my one person show the Judy show, my life is a sitcom, which was about my addiction to sitcoms growing up and how I always thought I'd be in one when I got older. <laughs> anyway, lady, lady. And after, you know, the shows once a week, we would interview, I would do an interview with someone. Um, and so many people talked about how those sitcoms affected their lives. Like that, I remember Shelley Wright told me that uh, she's a country Western singer, that that she had never, she had no black friends. Like the first, her introduction to black people was the Jeffersons. Like this was representation. This was the only representation people really had. Right. Um, And people watched it all at the same time and then talked about it the next day because everyone, you know, and so Norman Lear did this great service through comedy of dealing with the social and societal issues, you know, like Bonnie Franklin, a single mother, you know, right. that was, you a know, sing- th- those, right. those are big deals at the time. Right. Just also seeing, and it wasn't just normally it's like seeing Jack Wu on Barney Miller. It's like, okay, that's my, uh, you know, it used to be Mr. Eddie's father right, <laughs> you right. know, uh, from right. the course of Eddie's father, but seeing Jack Wu was like, okay, this is a funny guy. Forget that he's Asian. It's like right. he's a funny guy and he's there and he's equal to everyone else on that cast. Right. On taxi too. Like, you know, uh, the immigrant that, I, I mean, there, these care, it was a situation comedy, but it really was so much more than that. Well, character driven um, situations where well, maybe some of the situations were on the top, but the characters were real. Culminating right. in Ellen. Huh? culminating i thought in ellen i know that was after the 70s yeah 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 i mean you had uh 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 who's three's company and that there was a fake gay guy i mean that's how they dealt with but even that was funny but that would be a problem now too i mean that was funny the premise right exactly that was a great how dare you you know um 
but but you're right and and it and the thing was that those characters we were so invested in them we cared about them so that's why their issues and and the stuff that they were going through we were you know we felt something and that's what a great comedian does when they get on stage you know we disarm and people like we get away with shit because people like us um and i mentioned in the book like for women comics so much of the, the years ago, like Jean Carroll, which who was she really- is, I've heard her name come up a lot yeah. on this podcast and um, in some some of the books I've read. And you could see her, by the way, on on at Sullivan Clips. Like she yeah. actually was the generation kind of before Joan Rivers, right? And Alan. Right, King. she was really. They say the first, you know, stand up. You know, they say like the guys were like, oh, you're like a guy stand up, you know, she's very attractive and a joke teller. Right. And she would get on stage and you notice that she sort of in the very beginning, it's like, I know I'm a piece of shit. Okay, I know I should be home with my husband. Oh, my God, I gain weight. And then she would do her material, you know, and and women, I think a lot of them still have to do that. You know, there's a sort of disclaimer in the beginning where you're like. Okay, yeah, I know. I got it. I know what you're all thinking. Let's move on. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was she was pretty amazing. Um, and Elaine May, that chapter on women comedians was so my good. favorite in the book. Oh, I thanks, Art. Was, I thought that was so beautiful. And because I am a big fan of women comedians and women in general, I think um, he even married one. <laughs> I married one. I married a woman who's pretty funny too. But when we were back in the day when comedy central was starting, there were still people saying people in the business saying, you know, women can't be funny. Women are funny. And and I was always like, are you serious? How can you say that? And it was true. And this is like 1990. Now, when you think about the history though, you know, now there are, and I love the way you name them all in the book. There's so many great women comedians. There always have been, but think about us, our generation growing up, we had Tony Fields, uh, Who's great, but Minnie Pearl, which I didn't really appreciate. I read I read Wayne Fetterman's book, and I know you yeah. had him on, and yeah. he did a beautiful job of putting her in the right context. Right, and of course Joan Rivers, but it was a short list. Not right. you know, so so not to defend that theory, but just to say, well, Jesus, too bad the man was keeping the woman down back well, then because we would have enjoyed more. Yeah, there were less. I mean, look, there were less women in every sort of area of in the workforce. But, right. you know, you look at Phyllis Diller, who started right, that's at another th- one. Yeah, 37. And and Phyllis Diller is so interesting because she um, she had big bosoms and a beautiful body. And, and she had really skinny legs. And she said, I knew my legs looked funny. So she would wear like a muumuu, you know, so that no one was looking at her gorgeous body. I didn't know. All they were looking at were her legs. She thought they were funny. And this is women sort of, and if you look in the eighties and nineties, like Paula and Paula Poundstone and Kara Leifer and Kathy Ladman and Margaret Smith. And um, I mean, all you you look at these they're all in sort of androgynous clothing right um as to not objectify themselves and yet now you see all these hot looking sexy women who are (laughs) you know which is great which is great but it's still yeah it's it's so 
there were less of us. And there's, you got to watch Hysterical. I think you guys will I, love I'm it. I'm so sorry I missed that. I will. Yeah. That there's is a clip in Hysterical of Jerry Lewis and Toadie Fields that is going to freak you guys the fuck out, <laughs> where he is just like, you know, calling her fat and oh. gross. And she has such a great comeback line. Um, and she's like, oh, I, I feel like I, I feel like Raquel Welch. When I look in the mirror, I see Raquel Welch. And it go. It, this is the little banter. And he's like, yeah, she's, yeah, I have a picture of her on top of my mirror. I mean, that <laughs> but he is, you know, and um, and that's also that whole Jerry Lewis. I remember. Were you guys there? For the um, when Jerry Lewis said women aren't funny at the Aspen Comedy Festival. No, but I that I, I remember hearing I, about. I, it. I remember. I was I was in the room, and oh I, I think it was Martin Short's wife, God rest her soul, who asked the question. You know, you haven't mentioned any women on this panel, and he went, "Well, women, you know, you'll see the clip in the in the film, but women aren't funny." And it was, it that was, was big, like yeah. shocking. Yeah, it was that, like, okay, you're kidding, right? No, no, you're not going to, you're going to double down on that and then triple down on that. And yeah, it was so, you know, you, and what year was that? I'm, I'm trying. I, I, I want to say that was the nineties. It was the nineties. It was, the, 90s. Yeah. It was yeah. the mid, mid to late mid nineties. And, right. and, you know, you hear about it, but you don't, you can't believe like you really, it's like shocking. But you know, you know, you mentioned Jerry Lewis and I, and I you know, I am in love with Dean Martin because I think Dean Martin is one of the, like the funniest sex. Did you know, wait, I have to tell you, I asked my mother, one of the last questions I asked her before she died was who would you have married if you didn't marry my, my father? And she said, Dean Martin. Oh my God, that's were they, so great. Were they close? Were they? He could have been your stepfather. Or what happened? <laughs> no, that, she that was. She was having a fever dream. Yeah. No, but but the great thing about Dean, one of the many great things, I got turned on to the idea of a comedy roast from the Dean Martin show, right, which, right, which was right. incredible. Now you know they somehow seem a little hacky now, but they're just so fucking great. And Dean is the best audience ever. Right. And I remember, remember my older brother, God rest his soul. We were watching, and he he's saying, "Oh, you're gonna love her," because. Tony Fields would often come on and Dean would like set her up beautifully. And she's the only woman on the dais, right? Maybe they might've had an actress on like Angie Dickinson was right, the go -to, right, right, hot right. chick to go to. But I yeah. remember seeing Tony Field going, Oh my God, she is the funniest, funniest person. And, and then and, yeah, see her on the Ed Sullivan show. Those were the only and, two places. You know, the thing about her was she was physical too. Her, she had, she, she was, she was a clown, um, and she was self-deprecating, but she in a, I love myself. You, you could tell she's like, eh, yeah. I'm, I'm one step ahead of you. Um, she was, yeah, I always, always found her to be like that true raw talent and just, um, no boundaries, but just like free she was such a free spirit i she was hilarious i fucking yeah, love I, her and they you could just tell when you i i encourage people to youtube uh her her roasts you talk about joan rivers wait can we go back to the and then go to joan can we just talk okay. about the roast yeah i was i was at the i was at the gilbert roast when he I was did there the, too the oh yeah that that was so great the tsunami one not the tsunami one the uh the 9-11 the 9-11 yeah when he did that yeah yeah, yeah. you know I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I've done a couple of roasts in the Friars Club, like private, right. you know, right? 
so fun. Like it's, we all know each other. It's not being filmed. We're just, and I think the commercialization of these roasts. Horrible. It's like, I, people are like, why don't you do one of the, I don't, I think it's just, it's like, here's, we're going to hire some writers to write the meanest, horrible thing about everyone on this dais. And they don't, the thing about those roasts was that um, they all knew each other. They were, you know, it was like, you could tell it was from love. And this is, I don't know. I, I, it's really, it's yes. upsetting. Go for the you are right. Every you are time. right. However, I love Jeff Ross. I oh, think, I love Jeff Ross. I think yeah, he's yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the funniest guys. And that was his first real platform. Right, but he's good at it. He's yes, good at he's it. He's good at it. But the, Judy, your point is so well taken because the Chevy Chase one was so sad. Remember the Chevy Chase roast? Yeah, and he was pissed off, right? It was, well, yeah. Yeah, he, I think he was actually more hurt than anything, you know? Joan I, says she hated it. She didn't like it. Right. Because yeah. you know what it is? She does her version of that and she roasts herself in life in her act to now have to hone it and turn it on these people. It's rat tat 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 and it doesn't feel real. Right. If Joan, if the if the people on the roast were instead of like it, instead of it being a new hot upcoming comic who you want to get give exposure to, it was the best friend of the person or someone lesser known or so, you know, and it was a real roast. You know, that's, yeah, there's that. Th this is what I call it, what we call it in the book, caustic warmth, where um, <laughs> like I say, I say horrible things. I mean, I'm just so like, shut up, I hate you, you know, but everyone knows I'm just, it's just me. I'm a vulnerable, yeah. you know, it's coming from a vulnerable place. And those, they're, they're caustic and there's no warmth. It's like, hey, here you go. Okay, I guess I killed. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's not, uh, uh, Rickles, it's changed. Rickles made that a career, and and well, yeah, and Rickles is so good. You watch him so on those good. Carson shows. Yeah. Oh my god! And it's now, well, I wrote one of the chapters is thank God Don Rickles is dead. That's the first. <laughs> That's so um, and you know he's a perfect example of someone who got on stage, and it was a level playing field. He didn't give a shit what color you were what language you spoke, what you looked like. it. Everyone was fair game. He leveled that playing field. And if you left that show not being picked on by him, you you felt like you missed out on something. Right Now, oh my God, uh, offended. <laughs> Woo, I can't believe it. Uh, I, I, it's just like, shut the fuck up. You know, <laughs> the first quote in the book is from my friend Eddie. And it's, if you go to a comedy club, and get upset that you got offended. That's like going on a roller coaster and getting upset that you got scared. I mean, what <laughs> it's the perfect. fuck? It's ridiculous. Well, that, that gets to the Margaret Cho um, cha uh, a part of the book, which I, I can't believe. I remember the brouhaha at the time. Right. And, um, and I love it. I have a story to relate that involves Jerry Seinfeld, the way he handled something similar to that. But what I don't understand is, so I did some research after reading your book. Your book is such a great 
great trigger because your book is like reading the the most incredible Wikipedia entry ever on a topic and then getting it to the rabbit hole. It's like, oh, fuck, now I got to search this. Yeah, you don't want to look at stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're limited into what you can write. I mean, you, could, you covered it beautifully, but I'm like, well, wait a second. What comedian? Because your whole point is you really don't have to apologize, right? And she did apologize for her set. And then when I read about it, it's like, well, wait, so she did a set art, right? And I guess she right. was having a bad day. And I know Gary Shandling had just died, but a set is a set is a set. But people were angry because some of the subject matter she was talking about, she was doing it on an Easter weekend in New Jersey, right? Because it was at the, the Stress Factory. It was at the Stress Factory. So, so um, do you remember, like, she apologized. Do you think she had to apologize? I, I mean, I love the way she did the redemption thing, and that felt a little, like, a little contrived in a good way. Right, right, that right. That. But, like, what was so bad about her set? You know, I think... Uh... You know, I feel like she apologized for not, you know, that they came to that club expecting one thing and they got something else. And I think that's what she was apologizing for, that she, her headspace at the time and what she did on stage. Um, but also the fact that that it was the early days of, of the cell phone police, right? Right. When, if, if there was no video, it never would have happened. Right, I don't think right. it would have gotten that far. I mean, yeah, it's it's so funny you say that because there's there's the Margaret Cho and then there's the Wanda. There was another article. The Wanda about one Wanda. was 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 what Wanda's so on stage, and these people and you know are like leaving, and the newspaper reported that like hundreds of people got up. It was like ten, it was like ten people. Maybe. Also in Jersey, by the way. Right. <laughs> also right. another couple. Please, please me. I grew. Please, I grew up there. Please. Um. It's. Ugh. Um. I mean, well, I, I love I'm you, New still Jersey. Here. But I'm still here. I'm still here. Benny lives I'm, there. I was I'm, born I'm, there. Come on. Great. I'm yeah. right near the Stress Factory and the Count Basie Theater. So everybody. Oh, all right. There's so many great parts of New Jersey, yes. and then there's. It's like. All right. Anyway, but she does. You know, Wanda, basically, and she addresses it in her special. Like, wait, you came. He, well, like, what did you expect? If you know me, <laughs> it's like uh, you like Trump, big mistake, and you came to see me, bigger mistake. You know, like, it, and and so with, I feel like there's no. I think apologizing is such a personal issue, and a lot of times I don't think a comedian might be apologizing for their material as or. I think it was really her headspace and how she reacted or, and maybe, yeah, it went. It was a video. It I was a it video. Was... I mean, this is why the seller doesn't allow phones and, and a lot of places aren't allowing well, Chappelle phones makes you, you put them in the pouch. I think, you know, and I think I make it clear in the book, you can joke about anything, anything, as long as it's funny, craft a joke. You can talk about any topic, make it, fucking funny um and you know that's that is the that but that's is the intent sometimes it's not funny and i want to this is the perfect segue to something relatable to margaret show the, the the michael richards which kind of right. is the ground zero of this because that was right. flip phone video this right. was not smartphone right. and this is what an amazing guy jerry seinfeld is so art i don't know if you remember this but uh you know michael I richards is, michael. is not I, I, 
Yeah, really I remember a, the Michael Richards bit. Yeah, he was white hot, obviously. Yep. Not really a stand-up, but I think he he was kind of more that trying go going for that Andy Andy Kaufman kind of yeah. over the top. And he 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 was being heckled and probably didn't handle it right. And he went he went to a dark place with the heckler. Unfortunately, there was a cell phone. The guy took the phone out. And this is now pre-social media. And, and Judy, I love the way you characterize Facebook as the Munchausen syndrome. And we have to get to that. I'm just, I don't all over the place, but I need to relate yeah. it back to you for a second because that was laugh out loud funny because it is 200% true. It yeah. is scary. Yeah, it's we'll scary get to social media. How true that is. So Michael Richards does this. It's a Sunday night. It, it, the next morning, I remember... It was kind of emails was the way things got around. There, there was yeah. no Twitter, no Facebook was emails. I was working with Letterman at the time and Seinfeld had just been coincidentally booked that night for the show, right? right. He's, booked, he's booked for the show. And you can see all of this, by the way, on YouTube. It's fascinating. Seinfeld, the, the story is building, but not the way it would build now. Like it, it, now it happened at eight o'clock on Sunday by 830. It's trending. It's, right. it's over. But it was still a lot of people had no idea. You almost had to wait for a news reporter, Entertainment Tonight, to kind of right. tell you what happened. Right. We taped the show at 530. I'm telling you, the world did not know about this thing. It didn't even make the paper that day. It made it the next day. Seinfeld, great guy that he is, tells the, the segment producer, listen, uh, it's killing me. This because Michael, I love Michael Richards. He's a great guy. This is all wrong, mischaracterized. I want, I want to acknowledge this. I want him to have him on the show with me. Now, this is like, oh my God. Wow. Wait, but first of all, a guest is giving up his own airtime for a story that people don't know. And everybody was like, yeah, we got to do this. And, you know, yeah, all right, I'm the network asshole. And I'm like, guys, listen, I think this is amazing, but. You're going to have to explain what's going on. No right, one's going right, to know right. what's going on because Michael Richards wasn't in New York. He was in L.A. So right. this was going to be that awkward simulcast. And you know from TV, like Zoom now. Especially makes then. Yeah, oh. there's a freaking delay there, right? Yeah. And Dave wasn't a fan of the simulcast comedy bits or interviews. But this is what Jerry wanted. And it's like, okay, let's do this. You have to see this on YouTube because... Michael Richards, you know, as Kramer is, he's an incredible actor because he is so not that character. Right. Actually very deadpan and serious and somber and very, very straight. They go to the live feed and the audience is laughing because they think it's a bit. They don't know what these guys are talking about. And at one point, Jerry has to tell the audience, please, please, this is not funny. Right. All right. And, that, and my, just so my point is, it's like what he did with Margaret Cho was incredible. The fact that right. does this bit and then using his power for the good that it is saying, you know what, let's 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 make this right. Let's go back right. to that club. Um, so that's my love letter to Jerry Seinfeld, which is now its own podcast. Yeah. I mean, he he you he obviously loves the art form as well. You know, like it's it's so crazy that people think if you talk about a subversive topic or a tragedy in your that in your stand up that you're cheapening it that you're lessening the horror that you're taking away the the um the seriousness of it no it's it's the opposite you're acknowledging it like you know i have a lot i have a jokes about the holocaust you know because i grew up in a household where it was 24 Oh boy. It was 24 you, the Germans are at the door. Yeah. God is knocking. Yeah. It was 24 seven talking about the Holocaust. Right. I, I do these Holocaust joke. Right. And 
you know, I remember I was, uh, you know, I've had, I have a joke about, I think I have it in the book about my son uh, telling me years ago that he wants to get a tattoo. And I'm like, you're not getting a tattoo. He's like, yeah, I'm getting a tattoo. I'm like, no, you're not getting it yet. We have a fight. And I said, all right, fine. What are you going to get? Like, give me one good idea. He's like, well, I want to get something that says I'm from New York. I said, okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking of getting our zip code 10025 tattooed on my arm. I'm like, Henry, you're a Jew. You're not getting numbers tattooed on your arm. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the joke. <laughs> And I would have Pete, you know, I remember this one guy, religious guy, he's like, I, I was offended by that joke. And it's like, why you were offended by that joke when it's a true story. And I, I get on stage every night and talk about the Holocaust you're, you're every being night. respectful of saying you're mocking it by putting a zip code tattoo. Right, right. But I'm talking about it. I am mentioning it in right. my standup. You know, it's the ne hashtag never forget, you know. You, that is your issue. That is the whole thing about this. You know, what you get offended, what do you do with that? Do you go, oh, I don't like that joke and move on with your life? Or do you say that person should never do stand up? <laughs> they cannot, it's like, what about when you go to a concert of your favorite, you know, music group and they I do love a this new analogy. song? <laughs> yeah, they do a new song. You hate that song. Is that it? You're never going to listen to their fucking songs again? Jackson no. Brown. That's it. We're done with you, Jackson Brown. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, you talk about people going up to the line, comedians going up to the line and then crossing the line. And that's the whole story right there. Right. When the producers came out, you know, the Mel Brooks. Oh, movie, yeah. I remember I thought it was the funniest movie I ever saw. And my father. The original said, no. movie. Yeah. My father said, no, it's not funny. You can't you can't do that with Nazis. Nazis can't be singers. And, and a lot of people felt that. And I was so confused. I said, look, you know, it's a it's a particular story. It's a perspective on the situation. As you pointed out. It happened. We got to deal with that. Right. Every day. Every right. Day. And yeah. And that's what and that's what comedians do. And getting back just for a second to the to the chapter on women, I credit women comedians with really bringing out what a woman goes through in America, what living as a woman goes through in America, because certainly guys did not get it for the previous 10,000 years. You know, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, they just it's like true. Well, it's great being a woman. I take care of you. You yeah. know, I mean, they did not get what women went through every day. And so this whole understanding of of what women went through, I credit the women comedians. And I, think I love you so are for saying that. No, no, right. I, I think that's so important. And that's why that's when when people ask me, you know, what's going to happen to comedy? I say I bring that up and I say, if we lose that, if we lose the opportunity to bring that stuff forward in a comedic way so people can laugh at it and say, Oh, wait a second. I think she's right. Right. That's going to be a huge loss. Right. It's like the great joke makes you laugh and makes you think. And then, you know, and there's also this idea that you through this stand up that you're seeing the world through someone else's eyes. Exactly. And, and you know, I talk about disabled comics or, you know, if, if a comic with a disability gets on stage and starts talking about what life is like with the disability, um, the next time you encounter someone with that disability, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, no, I get, I get, you know, it's, it really is such a powerful medium. It's like, it is, it is a medicine. It is, it does bring people together, but it's also a weapon. And I think that's why people are so threatened by it because it is a weapon. It's a, it's, it disarms people and changes their mind. And that's why orange fuckface wanted the, you know, 
Uh, he couldn't go to the White House Correspondence Center. He wanted SNL investigated. And, and they're the ones complaining about cancel culture. If someone made fun of me on SNL, I, I, I think I would fucking die. Like, oh my God, I got made fun of, you know? You've made it. Well, what about, what about like, and it's not just the right because the left screws screws up all the time with regards to Al Franken, which I know your head is about to explode, but could we talk about Michelle Wolf? What an incredible set that was, right? And she called BS on CNN, on MSNBC, because you really like him, admit it, because they do like him. They love the ratings. Truth, truth. truth, Exactly. I mean, that was probably, that gets to the heart of what you were saying earlier and in your book. Uh, She was absolutely on the money incredible and not derogatory at all to sarah sanders they literally they they manufactured it they tried to twist it so that they right there because if she did screw up and she did not like samantha b love her and i love the way you are honest about like saying you know that samantha b's tweet about ivanka She did use the C word in it, and that right. kind of distracted everyone, right? Right. That, like, that's right. They, that's what they grab onto. It's right. like you got to be like, oh, what do they? You got to now think, oh, they're gonna take it this way. There's so many times I write tweets, and I'm like, I'm, you know, uh, uh, FYI, please get insulted about blank. I mean, I'm on you stage have to direct now. them to it. Right. I will now on stage. I'll do a joke, and you know, half the audience people our age are hysterically laughing because we've been in the world for a long time. So we have life experience and we know how to laugh at things. And these young kids are like, you can't say that. And you can't, it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. You've been here for 20 years. You don't know what the fuck's going on. Shut the fuck up. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, I call them out. I say, listen, you can write to me at judygold.com and tell me I'm a self-hating Jew and, you know, I hate trans people and I hate gay people, you know, and I just call them out on it. That's what, how I've been dealing with it. But, you know, you, you know, Art said he wanted to talk about social media and I feel like the, yeah, the, Facebook is again, this great, quote, it's the Munchausen it, syndrome. It is. It's that people, but it's also this idea, like, so, all right, we have our generation. We went through the AIDS crisis. You know, like people are like, oh, you can't talk. Yeah, I can talk about it. It's my coping mechanism, asshole. Um, but here's the thing. You set up this system where everyone gets a trophy. You get a trophy for running the race and breaking the record and winning. And you get a trophy for smiling while he did it. No, no, that's not how it works. And those people think that they're what their soapbox is as valid as someone else. No, right. shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's so so true. Do you do you um do you spend a lot of your time just fighting with people on Twitter uh, on Facebook? You know, I try. I try not to engage with it. You know, some right. nights I'm just like in a mood, and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, you just want to just be like, go fuck yourself. But um, I try not to engage or do a quip like, okay, yeah, you're really important. Oh, God. But but in texting. (laughs) But it doesn't come across when you're writing. It's so funny because just watching your face, it's so beautiful and funny and expressive. (laughs) And it's like, if those are just 122 characters. Right, right. That's the thing. That's the thing. That's what happens in the social media. It's like, you can't, where's the nuance? Where's the, you know, that Soto Voce, you know, like there's none of that. (laughs) Um, And this idea that I'm going to get something trending Uh, and, and all those fucking assholes who wish they could be funny, who wish they could do stand up. 
um, who's, you know, you talk about intent in a joke. What's their intent? I feel like shit about myself. I never made it. I never did this. I never tried. So I'm going to, you know, harass someone online. I mean, it's awful. It's mean. You know, the other uh, few weeks ago, um, it was Passover, right? And I did the downtown Seder. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's at City Winery. And every year they do a Seder where everyone, like performers get a different part of the Haggadah and they can do whatever they want with it. And every year I do Dieno and I always pick something that is in the zeitgeist. Like I've done Bernie Madoff. I did Trump, unfortunately. I did, um, you know, it's it's been going on for years and years. Um, so whatever's the big story, I usually do. Oh, if he had done this and not that, it would have been enough. Right? So this year I did Megan and Harry, right? Oh, okay, that's great. It, they had so I'm doing it via Zoom, and there's a com. There's the chat room with the comments. If you could have seen the shit, people, this is inappropriate. It's not Passover like they did. Judy's a bore. I, you know, finally, you know, and there that was some of them, the right. miserable fucks. Most of them were like, "Oh my god, I love her. She's so funny." This is not Pesach, and they're all writing the shit. I can see it. So finally, when someone said, "Oh, she's so boring every year," and I wrote, you know. Thank you so much, Steve, because no one in my ever in my entire like 58 years on this earth has called me boring. So thank you. You know, like, but it's like you're sitting here in your fucking, you know, apartment or how, you know, on your couch criticizing someone for something you couldn't do if you fucking tried, you know. It's so funny. And it's Every like it's like they're tweeting in real time to you too, right, in a way. Right. The chat is like you're actually seeing a live version of a tweet right. of a troll I, who's that, looking th to get something going. Right. And that's it. It's just they need fucking attention, you know, and it's it's so it's just so awful. And I said and to and, Yeah, and they're saying people. things they wouldn't say to your face. I mean ever. It's ever so personal. You know, if you're in the room and you're saying it, you know, I think it'll come up to you. Hey, Judy, you're the most boring person I've ever seen. Right, right. Oh, of course not. It's ridiculous. Right. It's just they're fucking miserable. They're jealous. They have shitty lives and they're sitting there judging someone. You know, it's it is. And that's what they do on social media. And it used to be like, you know, look, you had a crazy cousin who was like a fucking, you know, mental case. Sorry. Write to me at judygold.com. I said mental case. And um, <laughs> and, you know. You'd be like, go back in the basement and shut the fuck up. And now they can go back in the basement, get online and find right. another thousand people right. who are like engaging with them and agreeing. You know, it's it's beyond. It's so beyond. And we have such a weird this country has the weirdest relationship with the truth. I can't. It's it's so well, fucked you know what's up. scary. You know, I, I worry for you because you are a known entity and you could you could trend one day. You could say the wrong thing. You could it's the it's a because yeah, you wouldn't even know it. You might not even expect right, that. Right, right, right. Oh, okay, that's the thing. After 30 oh years, <laughs> that was the one that got me canceled, you know. So so it's frightening. Um, I love so in the book, it's so great because you're navigating these waters. And I love how you put like, look, sometimes it's OK to let the, the legal system tell us how we should feel about things like Bill Cosby, like some things are just black and white, right? Um, but I love how you, you talk about the Louis C.K. Um, situation. Right. You, you know, you acknowledge it and, 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 and how fucked up the whole situation is, especially with the power of a guy like Louis C.K. Right. And 
But 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 then your but your criticism is the best one in that gee I wish he addressed the elephant in the room like you're like you're, you're right. rooting for him in a way to figure out your comeback find your place oh you're not going to talk about it like, right that are, I think was his big mistake now I know wonderful. I've known Louis forever and there's this chapter there called there's a reason it's called an act because it's not real you right. fucking asshole well, Andrew Dice Clay Andrew right, Dice Clay right. example of that. Yeah, and so Louis does this thing. It's gross. Believe me, we've all. It's a lot of people. Have it wasn't touched, even. You know. It wasn't even a secret, by the way. Like a lot of people knew right, about this. Right. So these these women came forward, and you know, fine, okay. Um, I also write that Louis, although he did this disgusting thing, it's one of the only guys who's created shows for women. One of the only male comics, Tig. Pamela Adlon, um, Tignataro, um, hit the head of his production company was a woman. Yeah. Okay. He did this gross thing. You were on right. his show. Yes. I mean, he, he's gross. He was, did a gross thing. He, he'll, he'll admit that. But then, you know, my criticism was he gets on stage and, you know, and everyone's judging it's too soon, too soon. He right, shouldn't, right. he needs to take a break and reflect. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Like there's um, a time. And he gets on stage <clears throat> And he doesn't talk about it. Like he doesn't mention it. He's like, oh, how's your year been going? And that was the end of it. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, no, no, you have. There's an article in the New York Times by a um, psychologist uh, who wrote about Louis and, and his non, non-apology and non-dealing with it. And it's fascinating. It's a fascinating article because he was a big fan of Louis and he really, you know, Louis was really, told the truth he was there was there was completely no barriers there he was and here it's like oh come on you could really you could say something profound here yeah you could get to the heart of it i mean because because once it is out there and it was out there and there are things that you could say that you get he's got two daughters too though so right right other dynamic there but um i just want to say i love how you handled that in the book like you're you're not black and white either you know you're this wonderful gray in a good way it's hard to be black it's hard to be black and white about these issues though right you know i was just thinking as you were I was I was thinking as you were talking that you know one of the things we talked about here was comedians shouldn't apologize, and now we're talking about Louis C.K. not not to apologize but to bring it up in a way that says okay this was crazy. Well, it's what he right. does. Work it into so the- it's not quite an apology, but it is an acknowledgement. It's an acknowledgement, right? right. It's an right. acknowledgement. Well, I'm a fucking asshole. Like just something, you know. Yeah. I, right. I got a problem. Yeah. Um, apparently I have a big, you know, like that sort of, but it's also, and I write this in the book, you know, it's so fascinating that all these, these comics, right. Who do something bad, like Bill Cosby, forget it. He is in a whole yeah, other right. fucking league. Harvey right. Weinstein is in a whole other fucking league. Yeah. But you look at um, these comics who say something or do something and like then they're a Gilbert's a good example. Huh? Gilbert Gottfried's yes. a good example. Uh, you know, Gilbert, he's, I mean, that's his brand of humor. Right. He, no one knew the tsunami was bad when he posted those things. <laughs> and and then, you know, the funniest, that's one of my favorite parts of the book where he's, he's watching the news and uh, 
and and the newscaster is talking about oh, the many deaths and the destruction of the tsunami. And then the newscaster says, and to make matters worse, <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried and Gilbert was said he was sitting there like I I made ma- I made matters worse. I made the tsunami. I didn't even know I was that powerful. I mean, it's <laughs> so fucking stupid. But um. No, I forgot what I was going to say. But we, about- we, we were talking about how the, the apology of comedians when they should and when they shouldn't. And, and I, right. I, so, uh, so you and take I thought Gilbert the- was a good example in your right. chapter of that. But it's also, why is it only for comedians? Like I write about Coco Chanel was a Nazi. Yes. She was a Nazi. <laughs> she was embedded with the Nazis. I go to synagogue on Rosh Hashanah. They're in sh- sh- Coco Chanel scarves and purses and suits. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's okay, but a comedian who told a joke, sometimes the jokes don't work. They should be fucking, it's just, I can't, I can't. And come on, everyone has a sordid, like there's plenty of artists who have a sordid past. You know, you're gonna say their artwork is, you're gonna erase them. Right. Everyone's well, living in a glass house already. It's a footnote, okay? It's I, a footnote. I, I want to mention the the book again because we've been talking about it, which is wonderful because in talking about the book, we're talking about you and we're kind of taking a, a nice little journey through your career. Uh, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It's available on Audible and Amazon. And I'm not wrapping things up here. I just feel like the need to to mention this book because Thank we're pulling you. from it liberally. Um, another self-inflicted wound, the Al Franken situation. I mean, like that was literally, like, I'm going to discount or not even give license to all the other BS that came after the thing that got him in trouble, the photo, the hack miming of, of uh, you know, the, uh, of uh, on, on a sleeping comedian who's working with him th- that whole thing because then it was all he's a little too touchy-feely um, oh shut the on, fuck on all the other up. stuff so but then how quickly everyone in his own party threw him under the bus i can't with this shit meanwhile orange fuckface pocahontas this one's ugly that one's not a 10 i couldn't rape her look at her and this guy every comic has fucking photos like that and we are on the road together we do like there's no boundaries like go and do a broadway play you're naked and backstage changing and everyone's making like shut the fuck up you know and look the woman who did it who exposed is a right wing of course you know but the what why he was look at his actions what he, he was, was so, doing he's the one that asked sessions the question that I got know. Like, oh so like what are you doing fucking assholes stop it see, that's 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 what's really wrong here i mean the ultimate conclusion of this the elimination of the ability of comedians to talk about things and start the conversation in an amusing funny different way than just saying, you know, I'm going to write an editorial in the New York times. I mean, that is so important. Is that really what we want to expunge from the world? Right. Right. But that's what, that's, what's going to happen if this keeps going. I know. I, I don't, I don't know what to do about it. And we are, you know, think about it. We're the only country I think that when the troops are embedded, our troops are embedded in in foreign countries 
Who do we send over to make them feel better? Comedians. Right. Oh, my God. That is a wonderful analogy. It's so right. true. I, I didn't know that. Is, is that true? We're the only country that does that? That's I don't. Great. I don't. Do, I don't know. I, I'm, you're right. I'm not challenging. I mean, maybe you. I just, Canada, I but they're never, do, they're never involved in anything. They're like, you know, but I'm just. But we no, have no, been, it's a good point. That's but a really since good point. the 30s or, you know, we've been. Oh, how can we make our our troops feel better? Let's send over some comedians. That is how American. And and, and by the way, and do I mean there's some say what you will about Bob Hope because that's a fascinating career and that biography yeah. on him is in, incredible. But PBS did a great documentary about Bob Hope, and you look at the footage and he's acknowledging the war, like he's acknowledging right. everything. He's he's not like going out there doing mother-in-law jokes, you know. Right, right, he's right. Tailoring the material to the room. The right. room happens to be a war zone. Right. And and of course, in the end, we find out he's a big Republican. But um, you know, which is okay. That, I miss that That's kind of Republican. Generation. In those I days, it was okay. Yes. I would kill for that kind of Republican. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's true. It's such a part of. It's so very American. Um, and you look at those White House correspondence dinners, which are. Oh. I'm just, it's just before fuckface. I couldn't wait to see like Obama. I mean, it was really when you put everything out there. Yeah, I know. I know you all hate. I mean, he was great. He was, he would be a great comic. Um, but it was a way of just saying, all right, everyone calm down and let's just, you know, make fun of each other and like, just move on, you know, but no, we can't do that anymore because we have to take ourselves so fucking seriously and it's beyond ridiculous all the time and and having twitter in our face which by the way i love love twitter but now it just gives the peanut gallery nothing but ammunition but, right and do you do this like you'll go on you'll go trending and you'll be like oh i gotta read about that you know it's a right. fucking no yeah no it's i look in your who's, head who's trending yeah. in the morning and i get a little heart attack oh i hope they didn't die Not, i right. hope they just did the wrong dick joke right uh, judy <laughs> um all right as we start to wind this down uh and i'm, I'm in love with you i think this I is i love you guys this, this is, is so, such a good podcast oh, thank you, know, you. I do a lot of podcasts and it's really good really really yes. okay great i'm glad you said that uh do you take requests because the bit in your in your book about the Howard Dean fundraiser, your story. Oh my about, God, that was uh, but, the worst. But, but what I, what I really what I want to get ask about is that the, if you would do the Lieberman a variation, just the Lieber the Jill Lieberman joke. Oh, about I the, did a joke about how um, his wife. Oh right. Oh, I, no, yeah. There was two Joe Lieberman. He's an Orthodox Jew. Um, his wife. Uh, Hadassah. Yeah, his, her name is Hadassah. Um, that's not her original name. Her original name was, <laughs> but they thought it was too Jewish. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I went to, to the book on tape part of your book. Cause I, yeah. I, I bought both, right. both of them. And, uh, cause I had to hear that one. I didn't have six hours <laughs> to read your book, to listen to your book, but that one. And now I'm thinking I may have to just listen to your book. You know, it, that the New York Times book review loved the audio, uh, the audible version. They loved it. Well, well, the part of the Lieberman joke art. Well, you know, you read the book I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. for the audience out there that hasn't read it yet. And why haven't you read it yet is um, because Lieberman was Jewish. And if he had become he president, was Orthodox. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't. He wasn't Jewish. Yeah. He was yeah. a Jew. Jew. He was like and then I'd go on about how uh, how's he going to campaign 
for president. You know, and, you, and the answering machine message. Yeah, you've reached the office of Joseph Lieberman. Our office hours are Monday through Thursday, 9.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m. on Fridays. We'll open from sunrise to sunset. We'll be closed September 7th and 8th for the Jewish Festival of Rosh Hashanah. We'll be closed up uh, September 16th to the 18th for Kol Nidre and Yom Kippur. We'll be closed October 1st and 2nd for Sukkot. We'll be, and it goes on and on. Thank you for calling and shalom. So I do that bit. Oh my God. And I did it at a Howard Dean fundraiser. And then you see this journalist like completely take it the wrong way and write an article. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I you mean, pissed off Howard Dean, right? The next day. He well, was it off. wasn't, I don't think it was me that pissed him off. Um, well, the coverage, what didn't help. Right. So what he had heard, someone else was doing a joke. I don't know if it was David Cross or Janine Garofalo. Someone, <laughs> someone else did something and he, you know, it was another thing. I hear the one word and, woo, you know, um, but yeah, it, that 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 was my first brush with exactly what we're talking about, where it was like, I mean, this is pre again, social yeah. media. It was the post Eight that mail. became your Twitter. The post is the one that became right. the, the Twitter because the next day they covered Right. It. So the newspaper coverage of it. And then they had to shut down my server. I was getting, you know, you beware of your family or, but you know, it was just ridiculous. I was getting stopped at the airport. It's a joke, a joke. Oh, that's it. That's incredible. Uh, you were at Joan Rivers funeral and I know a lot of people that were there. Oh, she's making a sad face. And I, I get that. That was, uh, she, Joan was incredible. My encounter with her, she had done, I think, you know, she wasn't banned from Letterman, but she hadn't done Letterman in ages. And I don't know why. And we had her on and she killed, she was so Friggin' oh. funny. Of course, no surprise there, right? right. But I, I made a point to um, to go back. I rarely did that. As the network executive, I didn't want to be the, the one just, you know, they don't know who I am. Right. I'm, I, a lot of times it was just really, but I just felt the need to to, to go thank her for doing the show. And I, and I know that carried some weight for her because I was the head of late night. So that meant right. something to her for whatever it was worth. And it was, and she was so like touched by that. The next day I get the most beautiful flower arrangement from her. Like I thanked her, you know, and she's, you're welcoming me with this arrangement. I'm the like, classiest, unbelievable, smartest, most, humble beyond words i remember i used to say joan you, you don't know what you've done oh shut up shut up i didn't do anything eh, just keep your money you know like <laughs> just I, I i the class in her pinky I, I and you know it's funny because well that funeral was yeah yeah it was i just i never laughed so hard and cried so hard where was it paint paint the picture. it was at temple emmanuel which, which is, is the awesome. most beautiful temple on fifth avenue there were so many people outside the temple, uh, the, the the synagogue, and her daughter, you know, had bought pizza and donuts and coffee for all those people who were standing vigil, who were there, you know, just class A. And I remember, oh my God, How when I, Audra McDonald sang, um, was it Audra who sang? smile though your heart is breaking I mean, I mean i howard stern went up there and said joan had a really big vagina on the <laughs> on the bema and it was so funny like that bro see that's where you see a joke just okay 
Okay. That's not even yeah. tragedy plus time. You're right. in the middle of the tragedy. And I and he goes on and on. He beautiful, beautiful speech but about how she she went on, go on his radio show when he was nothing. How supportive she was. She came to to my both of my one person shows, you know, and the fuck at the end, the non-respect, they're not going to dim the lights for her on Broadway. First right. of all, she was nominated for a Tony. She wrote a play and she went to every opening night of every fucking Broadway show and was such a lover of theater and you fucking can't dim the lights for her. Right. Who the fuck? I mean, they ended so, up doing it, right? Did they yes, end up they did because there was a big outrage, but you know, I think of her so much because I watched a video of her when she was about my age and it was right after the Johnny thing and her husband, you know, and all that. And and she's with Alan King and and he's like, oh, you're, you're you know, you're such a, uh, you know, an icon, a legend. She's you must be so busy. And she's like, no one wants me. I'm an old. Yeah. Look at me. I'm 50, whatever, how old she was, you know, no one. And and, you know, you look at her career. She's was never more relevant than when she died at 82 years old. She started that whole red carpet. Um, she she was a phenomenon, a cultural phenomenon. And you look at the comedians and what they said when she died. You know, Chris Rock said she was the Mount Rush, Rushmore of stand up and not just women. Of stand, of stand up. up. Let's be crystal clear right. about this. We're not talking about a woman anymore. Right. No. Amazing comedy voice. Right. And fearless. And she always said, you know, I say what everyone's thinking and is afraid to say and never apologize. The only time she apologized was, um, I guess it was Willie Nelson's daughter. He, she was doing a joke about Willie Nelson. And then the daughter wrote to her, you know, I'm getting teased in school. And she said she took it out. Took the joke out. That's that's wonderful, Judy. That's a, I think a fitting end to this, and I, I and I know Joan was proud of you, obviously, because she came to your shows and she you were absolutely on her radar and a friend and a performer. Um, and she she would be right because you're incredible. And this oh, this, this I this, love you guys. This book yeah, is a very important book, must read. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. And I am rethinking all the horrible things I said about books on tape. I think now this is a book. Guys, you're going to have to go to Audible. You, you'll get it free if you do a subscription. Oh, it's great. Audible. Thanks. Oh, wait, I'm no sorry. Money. No, but you no. still get the money for it. You get credit for it. As the oh, author, you do? Yeah. It, it's funny because I, I, there's so much, so much, the joy of writing this book was that I'm trying to prove a point and my evidence was amazing stand-up material so i try to do the essence i don't imitate the comic but i do a little bit of the essence of their of you know of who they are so i think you really you know and i got i'm telling you the editor when you were saying in the very beginning like can you cut that bit no i'm not cutting these no this is you don't tell me what bits you know, so we're going to prove my point. Yeah. So I forgot because you're reading it. Right. Because I, I, I read the book. Obviously, I haven't listened to it yet, but I will now. Uh, the Gilbert Gottfried Emmy Award masturbation thing. So you're doing that all in Gilbert's voice when, when well, you. Well, I'm trying to be. Yeah. His no, because, essence. Yeah. Because, because and that, you know, I know we got to wrap this up, but that was also another great thing because these things are lost to time, especially like Emmy Awards, like sitcoms. You see them forever. That, those great Seinfeld episodes yeah. and the odd couple. But. Gilbert's Emmy appearance shortly after uh, Pee Wee was was arrested for masturbation, uh, right? And then and then and then the riff that Gilbert does, 
out of context on the Emmy Awards, which is all in context because it's timely, but not not what you expect there. And you verbatim, you did the transcript of it, which is right. wonderful. And you keep it alive, which is, which is great. And the fact that you do it live on the book, that's hysterical. Yeah, the Pee Wee story is amazing. The Howard Stern story is amazing. I mean, you really, it's it's really a potpourri. I, I use the word potpourri, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, you just see. You're so girly. I know, real, aren't I? Everyone yeah, says are. that, and boring, and boring. No, you're um, not boring. There's one, one of your 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 publicity shots is really sexy. I mean, that you. I mean, one one of the hundred. You should yeah. see her now. She looks like Ed Grimley. Oh please, <laughs> the shut one the fuck you up! I I got up and I'm right. Wow. I'm writing on a show. I'm like exhausted. I, I know. Thank I you was for... gonna do my hair for you, but then I'm like, you you know, art doesn't as long, even as long have as, hair. As long as we're talking about what you look like, I got. <laughs> I got. Did you say that? Did she? No, I didn't say anything. Serious? She didn't say anything. I just wanted to say you're the first guest we've had, and we've had over eight shows. This is nine. Um, who is actually holding her mic as she speaks? That's right. That is. Yeah. Are you doing work now? A set. Hey now. Hey now. It's like an and that is amazing. Nobody does that. That's so great. It's just so much fun. You know what I, I said before that we have to figure out how to save stand-up comedy because this is a tough time. And in the first thing, first of all, you did your bit to save stand-up comedy in writing this book. Oh, and thanks. Else wants and loves stand-up comedy, wants to save it, should read this book. It is just terrific. Thank you, Art. Argument for why stand-up comedy is one of the most important cultural things we have in this country to keep the conversation going and to set things straight. So I will uh, end my part of it there. Vinny? I'm going to keep on talking after you guys are gone because I love this book so much. I'll just <laughs> talk to myself like a lunatic. And it's a good present for people. Like if you have, you know, family members who love to right. laugh makes, and love makes stand Makes a fabulous up. gift. We're going to sell a lot of book. Good. This <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> for the one, for the oh, one. Listener. I'm going to buy the Audible now because I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. excited. Judy, thank you so much. Oh my Let's God. Have... Thank you guys. Yes. So nice good to time. see you. Good luck, good with, luck with your move art. All right, thank you, thank you yeah. so much. Now yeah, I'm artists, gonna want. Now I want sushi after looking at Art's um, beautiful like apartment. Japanese, set. yeah. We eat sushi constantly here. Now. Yeah. Oh uh, wait, sorry, I said sushi and Japanese. <laughs> oh my god. Oh no, can't yeah. okay. Great to see <laughs> you. Bye, Judy. Love Bye, you. guys. Thank Bye -bye. you. Wow, I knew that, that was, was gonna amazing. be good. That it was, was gonna, great. I feel like I, I should have had a two drink minimum and paid a cover charge for her performance. Oh my gosh! And at the at the end, did you catch that uh, that impression of Joan Rivers? Oh, she's so she's so. She just threw that in there. It was so perfect. I, I just I couldn't believe it. And and it, we we talked about kiddingly, but I'm serious now. You know, Art and I remember when you and I were talking about the book and reading the book versus the audio version. Now I'm not a uh -huh. book on tape person uh yeah, even either. pre covid when there was an opportunity cuz now there really isn't you know to sit and listen to a book and not do anything else doesn't probably the way you should enjoy a book but I, i'm not wired that way so i when i when i when we were researching the inter the interview we knew a lot about judy but this book truly that she wrote is is a must own if you're into comedy or you're into the uh, the world that we're living in yes i can say that when they come for the comedians we're all in trouble i remember i was like okay should i read it should i listen to it and it was six hours right to listen to it and i'm like yeah 
you know what? People do listen to audio books. No, no right? it's, it's, a big, a, it's a, they're a big draw. The number of people, I don't have an audio book out on my audio book, on my book rather, but the number of people said to me, you know, we really, is the audio book out? We'd like to hear it. So now I'm, you know, I'm going to do one. Well, well, in Judy's case, it's more than an audio book because it's a performance. Now, having no, she's read a the performer. Book, well, having you read know. the book, I'm like, oh, I think I need to because I wanted her to, uh, I wanted to capture the flavor for the book, and she was kind enough to do some, some by request, some of the stories. But I, I, I have to. I think we should end this little uh, podcast with some audio, an audio sample of one of her stories from the book because she does the voices. Like she gets into she does impressions because, because her book is not just and then this happened and then that happened. She is is quoting. Um, she's putting transcripts from from Gilbert Gottfried's. I think that's the one I'm going to play. Gilbert Gottfried's uh, um, Emmy appearance where he did a riff on on P. B. Herman's masturbation arrest. That is hysterical. Um, so we'll probably end with that. But she she's. I love how you pointed out that she was holding her mic the whole time. Yeah, wasn't that amazing? I saw. I noticed that immediately. I said, "Oh yeah. my gosh, this was like a stand-up performance." I didn't her. notice it till you told it. You know, most people on a Zoom interview, the mic, their little Yeti mic, is on a <laughs> on a on a pedestal. Isn't Yeti like a um, a Jewish mythical creature? The Yeti. It's it's nice of you to assign that to my people, but no, Yeti is not a Jewish mythical. Are you creature. sure? It is a, it well, is maybe a I'm thinking of Debbie's, Debbie's Aunt Yeti. Who was you? <laughs> no, Yeti's like, you know, Bigfoot, one of those big uh, oh, really? snow monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, I don't know why I associated that. I with... learned so much on this podcast. I do. I'm learning from everyone is saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm just, I feel so good. What a great way to start the day. This was, this was a wonderful, I know we say that, and we mean it all the time on it, how great it was. But Judy is... She's hardcore performer. She performed for almost 90 minutes and it was incredible. A lot yep. of fun. Yep. So that's it for another Constant Comedy Podcast. I am Vinny Favalli. And I'm Art Bell. And we're going to go out with um, Judy's book on tape from her book. Yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. Bye, Art. Bye, Vinny. At the 1991 Emmy Awards, Gilbert presented the Emmy for Outstanding Writing in a Variety or Music Program. This was right after Paul Rubens was arrested for masturbating in an adult theater in Sarasota, Florida. Since the arrest was fresh in people's minds, Gilbert addressed it, once again doing his job as a comedian. He walked out on stage telling the orchestra to shut up. Then, at the podium, he said, I want to get something off my chest. You know, I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, I sleep a lot better since Pee Wee Herman's been arrested. If masturbation is a crime, I should be on death row. If masturbation is against the law, I should have been sent to the electric chair years ago. To think that by age 14, I was already Al Capone. Right now, I'm like Superman. You can put charcoal in my hands and I can crush it into a diamond. It's like if the police tried to arrest me, it'd be, Quick, stay away from his right hand! Your puny weapons can't hurt me. The audience applauded, and Gilbert said, Please, only clap if you like masturbation. Now, on to our category that can be described in a way that women have never described me. 
long and hard. He then read the nominees, the winners accepted their award, and that was that. When Gilbert got off stage, no one really paid attention to him because there were so many other big celebrities there to fawn over. Afterward, at an Emmy party, someone told him that his masturbation jokes weren't going to air on the Los Angeles feed in a couple of hours. He was informed that the producers were livid and that one of them said that if he ran into Gilbert, he would kick his ass. So mature. If you watch the video, you'll hear how much the audience is eating up Gilbert's jokes. They loved his material so much that there were applause breaks as well. But when the press got a hold of the story, they presented it as if everyone in the room had been shocked and offended. Come on! Come on! 